After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter, and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome to the Baseball America College Podcast. Today's Baseball America Podcast is sponsored by SeatGeek. Baseball America Podcast listeners get a $20 rebate off their first SeatGeek purchase. Download the free SeatGeek app and enter promo code BA20 today. Now it's time to talk baseball. And with that, it is a Baseball America College podcast. Thanks to Dave Slade for recording that intro for us. Uh, great voice. You can tell that guy does radio and PA for a living, and I don't. But uh, we do cover college baseball in a large part for a living, and that's why we have our Monday College Baseball Roundtable. I'm John Manuel with Ted Cahill, Jim Schoeder, and Mike Lana. From left to right on your radio dial. Um, but we do the, have plenty of college baseball to talk about. It's brought to you by SeatGeek. We'll talk to you a little bit about SeatGeek as well. Uh, but guys, we want to start off at the top. You know, we have not had to discuss this before this, uh, before this week, Teddy. We have not had to discuss what's wrong with Florida. I'm not even sure anything's wrong with Florida, but they did actually lose a series this weekend. And uh, I guess it happened kind of a variety of ways, but in, in essence, Kentucky out, uh, outpitched Florida this weekend a little bit and got to the Gators uh, pitching staff, you know, not for huge totals, but able to hold Florida's offense in check and then able to come back um, on Sunday from a deficit and, uh, and win the series. Yeah, Kentucky only scored 17 runs on the weekend, but that was uh, that was just enough. Um, they The Saturday game, they got to Puck. Um, he wasn't at his best again uh, on, uh, on Saturday. And then on Friday, uh, or on, on Sunday then, in the final, Florida goes up 3 to nothing in the second inning, and you kind of thought that that might be it. Um, you know, with the, with the way Fado had been pitching and, and the Gators' bullpen, uh, three runs is often enough for them. But it wasn't. Kentucky chipped away at it. Kyle Cody kept it, kept it tight, kept them in the game, allowed them to chip away at it, and they did it against the Gators' bullpen, really. I mean, Fado gave up a couple, but... They score against Sean Anderson. They scored against Dane Dunning. These are guys that, that are very difficult to do it against, and they get to extra innings, and Florida goes ahead again. Um, Kentucky gives them five outs in the top of the 10th with a couple of errors, and, and Florida pushes a run across. But then against Dunning, uh, Kentucky gets uh, gets the two runs it needs in the bottom of the of the 10th and, and walks it off when Brady Sinner threw a, a wild pitch with the bases loaded. It's not like Florida played poorly, but they were a little sloppy. They weren't their best. Um, do, you, do you see long-term ramifications of this for Florida? Any warning signs? I mean, obviously, we kind of thought A.J. Puck was rounding into form after last weekend. Anything concerning for you long-term about the Gators losing this series? I mean, they've lost to Florida, to Kentucky, 
several what are they, four years this in a row. This is the fourth straight year they lost to uh, to Kentucky. I you know I don't see any long term real concerns here. This is the first time they left the state of Florida, uh, which is not insignificant that they had played everything in in the shun, sunshine state before this. They played a really tough road series in Miami, but uh, it is a little bit different once you get into conference play and, and, and have to go on the road. Um, you know, teams lose series. Right. That, that, that's the thing. You know, There's no I, perfect machine out there, not in college baseball. Exactly. And Kentucky can pitch. We knew that coming into the year. And so it's not a, it's not a huge surprise. I mean, you would like to see a little bit more from the Gators offense, I think, um, just in general. But, you know, they're young, and they'll. I, I'm still confident they'll get together. And, um, you know, the, the pitching stuff is kind of blippy. Um, you know, I... If you're Florida, I, I think you expect to score more than four runs on a Sunday. Right. Uh, Kyle Cody's one of the best Sunday starters in base in college baseball when he's on, and he was on, uh, or at least reasonably. He was on, on. enough. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, it, it's it's disconcerting on some level just because of what they have coming, but at the same time, Florida is still Florida. It feels to me, uh, Jim and Mike, you know, whoever wants to jump in, it feels like this was a game Sunday that Kyle Cody. Last year, especially, would have lost. He would have given up some of those base runners. He wasn't getting a lot of swings and misses. Seems like this would have been one of those games that he would have buckled in. But I don't know if maybe it's just the experience of being a senior. He does sound like he's been better this year. Talking to a scout about him during NHSI um, this past week, it, it does seem like he's been better this year. It's not like he's taken a quantum leap forward. But the scout I talked to, I just was comparing and contrasting him with Kyle Funkhauser, and it's like, well, he's been better than Funkhauser. The, Subject of our preseason story that you did, Mike, really feels like like Kentucky is. Uh, this was like a classic Kentucky. Every year they're kind of a tease, Jim, where they 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 show you this where they can beat good teams. Yeah. Is this more sustainable? And uh, what do you guys think? You know, what do you lessons do you guys take spinning this forward for Kentucky? Uh, for I mean, certainly it's a it's a huge series win. I mean, but kind of like you said, we've seen this before where they'll get off to some crazy hot start and not sustain it. Um, I mean, I mean, last year, this, obviously this is a big win for them, trying to get back to the tournament they missed out last year, so they've got that uh, marquee win now. But, I mean, yeah, they, we had them in the preseason top 25, so we know they're talented. You know, we know they've got arms. If they can sustain it, kind of like we were saying, if you know, there's a chance they can – certainly they have the talent to get back. And, uh, you know, I kind of like to see what they can do on the road, um, winning two out of three at home. I mean, it's not – since it's Florida, it's not, like, it's not one of those deals where you say what we expected them to, but it is. Uh, at some point, you'll do. You have to let's see what they can do on the road. That's going to be a, you know always out there. Yeah, Mike. They're at Tennessee this coming weekend, um, which is a pretty offensive ball club. Um, they still have to go to Vanderbilt on the road, but otherwise, it feels like they have some of their other better series. In South Carolina comes in, they'll have to go to Ole Miss later on, but the it seems like it's a sustainable uh, schedule. For Kentucky, it's, a, it's an SEC schedule, so it's tough. But it feels like they they can use it as a, as a springboard looking forward. Yeah, I would I would say so. And you do mention Kyle Cody, and he's been better in flashes this year. But right. still, the overall numbers two and one, six point four three. Yeah. You know, and still too many walks out of him. I think really I mean, really I, the key for them going forward is his consistency and Zach Brown too. Right. These Zach, are the two guys we kind of thought would be. Right. The stalwarts of their rotation. Being, being better than Kyle Funkhauser is faint praise. <laughs> That's faint praise from this guy. I didn't think about it in that context. But 
Kyle, because both Kyles have had their struggles this year. Yeah, I mean, Kyle Cody, I mean, just last weekend, he he, he struggled. He had a, a big league, and, and I think he was knocked out in the, in the fourth inning of, right, of that start. Georgia. Yeah, by Georgia. So, you know, both of them have been, you know, we thought those two guys, I mean, they have the probably the best raw stuff on that pitching staff, but really Dustin Beggs, another senior in that rotation, has been the savior for Kentucky so far. He's 6-0. and uh, Hard to believe. First time in program history, I think, someone's gone 6-0. and uh, for them, and you know, 2.40. I mean, he a guy who was drafted and came back too. Um, you know, he doesn't light up the radar gun as much as Brown and Cody might, but he's still a, a solid veteran pitcher. And you know, they just need Brown and Cody to to be the guys that they were hoping they would be before the season. I think going forward, that's really the key for Kentucky. Yeah. When you're looking at Kentucky's ability to to keep this going, it's notable that they have now won two. SEC series when they lost on Friday night and hmm. you lose on Friday night and that's that, that puts you in a really tough spot and so they really need Brown to get it going because that's not that is not sustainable that that is the part of this that is not sustainable that Beggs has been incredible and when I talked to coach Gary Henderson last night he talked about how important Beggs has been for that team and um, you know just being able to to get the get them into a position where they can win a series on a Sunday but they need to get Brown going even more than they need to get Cody going. Um, you know, Henderson said that when Cody needed to last night, he need, he made the pitches, and that I mean that's really what they need him to do. Right. Obviously, you'd like him to be a little better, but I think Brown is the the bigger concern because you have to win on Friday nights in conference play. That is just uh, very hard to do to keep on winning series when you don't win on Friday. And Kentucky has done it twice: once on the road, they're four and two in the league, tied with Vanderbilt and Florida in the SEC East for second place. South Carolina's other SEC team that's in first in that in the SEC East. We'll get to them in a second. Just to wrap this up on Florida, the Gators take on Texas A&M, the new number one. Obviously, the Aggies. Well, they're twenty-one and three overall. They win a series against uh, LSU this weekend, which we'll, we'll talk about LSU, I, I guess, in a minute. But you know, really, the biggest test for A&M. They had played Yale, Pepperdine, Hofstra, Fresno State. You know, not the greatest. Schedule lead in Auburn, not the greatest schedule leading up to this weekend. Really, their biggest test, guys, and they passed it this weekend against LSU, mostly on the mound. They give up four runs in three games. Um, is that uh, how how big of a uh, who's the early favorite in that Teddy in this this Gators uh, Aggies weekend? I'm even though A and M is the number one right now, I'm going to guess that Florida's your favorite. Uh, yeah, that would be that would be correct. I mean, it's tough to go on the road in the SEC period and. Um... You know, I, I think the Gators are the more talented team. They're, uh, you know, they have the weekend loss, and that's why the Aggies are ahead of them. Is that, um, you know, they're they're six and zero on weekends, and Florida does have this series loss. But, you know, when, when Florida gets back into Gainesville, I mean, it's really tough to beat Florida in Gainesville. Um, but with A and M this weekend, this last weekend against LSU, that was huge for their pitching staff to do what they did because they were coming off a tough weekend at Auburn where they gave up. 27 right. runs to the Tigers and you know so to, to have that bounce back against LSU where they do only give up the, the five runs in uh in three games you know, I mean that that's big for that staff and that's a staff that can pitch that was a weird weekend at Auburn uh, when I talked to Rob Childress last week he said it was a perfect storm of factors that led to them giving up that many runs uh but it, it, it was still very good for them to to have this bounce back in week two of SEC play to show that you know, that that was the aberration. Yeah, that's you know, bullpen wise too. I mean, like uh, 
I mean, off the top of my head, I think, well, you know, Florida has this endless bullpen, but Texas A&M feels like a team that can match them, not not just with depth, but, I mean, if I wanted one guy to close it out, I mean, I think I'd give a slight edge to A&M there, wouldn't you, with Hendricks? Yeah, I mean, I mean uh, the, the Florida bullpen is incredible. Henderson said it was um, one of the best collections of arms he's ever seen. <laughs> and but A and M's, you know, when, when I look at the strength of A and M's pitching staff, I look more to the bullpen than, yeah. than their starting. Their starters are good, Ivy Vines and Simmons. But when you can have Hendricks and Ecker and guys like that at the back end of uh, of A and M's bullpen, I mean, you do feel pretty good about their ability to shorten games. And Hendricks and Ecker both can give you more than one inning if you need. And I, so when they when A and M gets a lead, I mean, you have to feel pretty good about it. Yeah, I have to also like the fact that, you know, Brigham Hill's pitching really well for them out of that bullpen. Like in this flex role, um, he pitched four scoreless innings this weekend. I don't know much about Brigham Hill. I feel like he's from Nagadish, and I just want to show off that I know how to pronounce Nagadish. <laughs> that was my main point of bringing that up, was that he's from Nagadish. You mean it's not Nako Doches? No, apparently no. it's Nagadish. Uh, I learned this. I forget. I think Lance Berkman's originally from, originally from Nagadish. There was a player back in my old days who's from there, and that's, that's who learned me um, on, on that pronunciation. Um, maybe I'll make you guys go on the spot, but uh, Teddy, uh, Teddy's already given his his favorite. Mike, Jim, you guys want to weigh in on, on A&M uh, uh, v. Florida this uh, weekend? I'll take the Gators, too. Um, I, mean, I think maybe getting a little reality check wasn't maybe not the worst thing in the world. Um, and they are, so they are at home. I'd, it's just hard to go against them there. You know, it'd be cool if I was the dissenting voice here, but right. <laughs> I'm not going to be. I, it's hard for me to pick against the Gators, even though we dropped them to number two. I mean, I, I think they're the most talented team in the country. I'm, I'm with Jimmer in terms of uh, probably not the worst thing in the world for them to, to have a loss uh, to see how you know how they react to that. Um, I, I guess we've seen how South Carolina reacted to losses, guys. They lost two out of three to Clemson in their first, what we thought was their first test. And in large measure, kind of we thought it was their only test up until SEC play started. They swept Arkansas last week. Teddy, you were there for that. And you, you know, Mike, you've seen South Carolina in person. Jimber, did you see them or no? The first, I know you were in Myrtle the first weekend. Uh, I have you? not seen them in to, person. So you're sure. the only one of, of the three of you who hasn't seen them. I think everybody kind of saw them this weekend. I mean, they go to Ole Miss, which had a tremendous resume to this point. Mm-hmm. Series win at home against the always very good at home, too. Always good at Swayze. And gets swept, and Ole Miss only scores six runs the whole weekend. Uh, South Carolina's won 13 straight guys since that series at Clemson. They are now what number seven in our rankings. Uh, that's that's correct. Yes. Uh, Kentucky, we didn't mention, is in at 24 this week. South Carolina from 18 to seven by going on the road and winning that series. Uh, what's got into the Gamecocks, and uh, what's so different, and how are they able, Mike, to just be this? loud of a series sweep. I mean, series win on the road, the SEC is hard enough. Sweeping a ranked team on the road like that, I totally did not see that coming. I think you have to point to their pitching, and I think particularly you have to look at the development of Clark Schmidt this year, just the jump that he's taken from last year to this year in terms of his, his velocity, his stuff, his command, his poise. I mean, he's been he's been an ace. He's been the ace that they needed and that they missed last year when Will Crow went down. He's the ace they deserve. He's the ace. That, <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> he could be he could be the symbol That's that right. Carolina needs. Yeah. So I I think I think it starts with him. I mean, he's he's set the tone on the weekends. He's six and zero now. Um, you know, you can't can't argue with that. And then and then you look at right behind him, Braden Webb. 
uh, you know, the rare draft eligible freshman who's been. I'm gonna have to get over that. I'm gonna have to get over that. I guess with Braden Webb because yeah. he's spectacular this he's year. He's been so great. Far. Eight innings, fourteen strikeouts. This you know this weekend. So Is that good? <laughs> that's it's not bad. Yeah. It's not bad. So I, I think I think it starts with the pitching for them, and you know they made a change in their weekend rotation, dropping Widener uh, from that Sunday slot and, and bringing in Adam Hill, and he he did a nice job this weekend as as well. Six innings of, of scoreless baseball. You know you take that on a Sunday. And what, so. what I just think of with, with South Carolina is that this time last year. You would have thought they would have rolled into an SEC weekend series with Will Crow and Alex Destino on a weekend. I know Destino was more known for his hitting last year than his pitching and has been in college. Mm-hmm. I kind of thought, you know, Will Crow was their ace. Destino was like their big recruit. Those guys are nowhere to be found in their weekend rotation. And they're better than you would have thought. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting that, Mike, you, you say their pitching is, is what you point to. I would have definitely said they're hitting. Um, I mean, but both are, are are going really well for them right now. I mean, the, the thing is they have everything going. They're, you know, Mike detailed their pitching, but the hitting this year with um, John Jones and Destino and Dom Thompson-Williams in the middle of the order, that's really, I mean, they, they, they have a presence in the middle of the lineup that pitchers have to deal with. That That is, that is a scary part of the lineup when those guys are going, and they are definitely going right now. John Jones can't be pitched to, basically, and Destino has a very long hitting streak, and Dom Thompson-Williams is a dynamic player as well. Yeah, Destino's hitting 17 straight. Yeah. I mean, he has been uh, so much better so far in SEC play, where last year he had the great non-conference start and really kind of hit a wall, and was part of the, you know that was part of the reason why they didn't uh, get over the hump last season. But this is a team that has... It feels like more power, more power options than just one or two. Um, their pitching is, I think, better than anyone expected. Uh, Re- Josh Regan's been fantastic out of their bullpen. I, I, I did not expect, and he's had good seasons there before. He's, like he's been a guy, but he wasn't a guy, you know, a capital yeah. G guy. Feels like he is now um, in that in that bullpen role. Um, they really feel like they've kind of recalibrated. I mean, like they came into the year thinking Tyler Widener was going to be a key guy for them. They haven't had to rely on him. It just feels like this has been a, a matter of a team that last year wasn't able to adjust on the fly. This year, maybe they have a little bit more depth and able to make some of the adjustments and every button that they've, that uh, Chad Holbrook has pushed to, has worked for them. Again, I'll go back to how sustainable do you guys see this? I mean, 23 and two was not sustainable, but our, you know, they're in first place in the SEC East. Uh, what reason do we have to not believe that's going to continue to be the case? Yeah, I think I think they've proven themselves at this point. I mean, I know we were a little skeptical yeah. uh, before before the Clemson series, just because that non conference schedule was wasn't you know the most intimidating right. slate of opponents you know out there. But I think you know winning thirteen in a row since then, you know sweeping their first two SEC series, and obviously going on the road against Ole Miss and doing it there. I mean, that's that's loud. It says a lot about this team. I think they're legit. You know, I, I don't know if they'll like you said if twenty three and two is sustainable, but I think. You know, there's certainly a, a force in the SEC. I know in college sports they want you to pay attention to the Final Four this weekend because that's where the NCAA makes all of its money. But how can you not pay attention to college baseball in the SEC this weekend with Texas A&M at Florida and South Carolina at Vanderbilt? That's ridiculous. Well, and Ole Miss and Mississippi State, one of the best rivalries in college sports. Yeah, you're so hyped down. for it. You're I all- am. I, I watched. Uh, I watched. Uh, I was. I was writing off the bat yesterday because I want to include Mississippi and Mississippi State as a, a series to watch or a series that I'm excited for. And uh, I, I don't remember how this happened, but I started watching 
hype videos for the Egg Bowl that Ole Miss and Mississippi State put out this fall. And, uh, I mean, they were, I, I, I was ready to run through a wall after, uh, <laughs> after watching those. I love it. I love the hype videos, college baseball hype videos in, the, in March. This is what the sport and a lot of other places is up against. It's up against the attention that it, the national entity that governs the sport, the NCAA, wants your attention elsewhere. They want your attention in Houston for the men's Final Four. They want it wherever UConn's going to win for the women's Final Four. Speaking of Mississippi State. Indianapolis. Indianapolis. Speaking of Mississippi State, I believe it was, what, 32-4 to 4 into the first quarter, UConn and Mississippi State. I just know because my son was... Obsessed with that this it was, weekend. It was like 81 to 16 or something. The, the final quarter, score was so. a 60 point win. I yeah. think it was 98 38. So, yeah. uh, Michigan State. No, it was Mississippi State. It was bad. It was the SEC tournament runner up, is what I remember. I don't, I don't know what they, they call it, Egg Bowl for uh, Mississippi State, Ole Miss women's basketball. But, uh, <laughs> but for this weekend, that's going to be a hard ticket to get. And if you've ever been frustrated trying to buy tickets online, you know that most sites make it complicated and then try to sneak in huge fees at checkout. That's why I need to try SeatGeek because they've made it easier than ever to buy and sell sports and concert tickets. Uh, SeatGeek's the only place I go to look for tickets to a game or a concert. Uh, I have the SeatGeek app on my phone, and uh, I think you should have it as well. SeatGeek's taken all the work and hassle out of shopping for tickets. They pull all tickets available on other sites into one place, so you save time and never miss a deal. You can even set alerts for upcoming games, and SeatGeek will let you know if ticket prices fall. Even better, every ticket on SeatGeek is given a grade based on value, so you can immediately find underpriced seats. It's red, yellow, or green. It's very easy. It's not as complicated as the BA. Uh, we like to use the 2080, 2080 scale. SeatGeek has made it a lot easier. And Before you buy, you can use their detailed maps to see the view from your seat. Best of all, SeatGeek is always honest and upfront about the price. Unlike StubHub, SeatGeek allows you to find the full ticket price from start to finish and never surprises you with huge fees at checkout. Best of all, Baseball America podcast listeners get a $20 rebate off their first SeatGeek purchase. To get that $20 rebate on tickets, download the free SeatGeek app, go to the settings tab and click add promo code, enter the promo code BA20, and SeatGeek will send you $20 after you've made your first ticket purchase. So download the free SeatGeek app and enter the promo code BA20 today. So thanks again to SeatGeek for sponsoring the Baseball America podcast. I'm John with Ted and, well, Teddy and Jim and uh, Michael and Anna. Guys, let's uh, shift to the Pac-12 because the Pac-12 is chaotic. I mean, it's totally um, unexpected. I, I can't think of a bigger surprising team on any leaderboard nationally than Utah being tied for first in the Pac-12 somewhere. Former BA intern and Utah alum Brian uh, I mean, Bubba Brown is very excited about uh, Utah. Uh, Bubba's probably tweeted about it. I missed it. But Utah's seven and thirteen overall, but four and two in the pack. As they beat, so they beat what Arizona and Arizona State back to back weeks. Is that who it was? It was Ducks. I'm sorry, it was Oregon last yeah. week. Hello. So bouncing Utah. I mean Oregon uh, from the pole. I mean Bill Kinneberg for years and years has been known as a a pitching guy. Uh, that's that's his shtick. He coached USA College National Team. He acknowledged that's his uh, reputation. They go on the road to win series back to back. Uh, with Oregon and Arizona State, is this bad for the Pac-12 that a team with a 190 RPI is tied for first place in their conference? That would seem bad because I, Utah's not going to get an at-large bid. And I'm pretty impressed by Utah. I don't know if it says more for the Pac-12 or for Utah. Utah, 8-13 uh, and 13 at this point in the season, by the way. Um, 
I don't know that it's a good thing. I think this is just a signal that the Pac-12 is having a down year, um, which we kind of thought this was going to be anyway. Uh, there's been a lot of turnover in the conference. Uh, there's a lot of youth in the conference. Uh, and last year was so good, and then a lot of those guys that, that were key to that are now gone. Um, but that being said, if Utah can be good, I think that's good long-term for the Pac-12 because you want Utah to raise its game. Like, you knew it was going to take a little while for Utah baseball to adjust to playing in the Pac-12. That The football team was, was you know, a lot closer. That, that other sports were a lot closer to being competitive than the baseball team would be um, just because of the disadvantages of, of Utah. Um, right. But if Utah can get to be competitive and can consistently be competitive, that's only good for the, the Pac-12. So if this can lead to that, it's a long-term good thing. Uh, in the short term, this year, I, I think this is a signal of the conference's um, shortcomings. That's, I mean, there's only two Pac-12 teams in the top 25 right now. We sent UCLA the boot this week to use an old BA inside joke. UCLA's 4-2 four, four in the league, but uh, which is tied for first. But 12-9 and nine overall, lost the series at Arizona. Um, they've got to go to Cal next weekend. Uh that's not going to be easy because last I checked, Cal's the team that's doing some things right in this league. Cal's also 4-2. Cal wins the series against Oregon State this weekend. Oregon State was, what, number three in our rankings and drops yeah. precipitously. I'll be honest, I had my doubts about Cal. I thought we had Cal too high previously. When you go ahead and you sweep Oregon State, I don't think that anymore. You guys, who, who was our Cal backer? Who had the most faith in Cal here? Um, doesn't feel like Cal has really done, uh, uh, you know, they had the, the series loss at USC, but uh, other than the lot, they, they lost that opening series here to Duke. They didn't look super in yeah, That series is not helping them right now. It's not. Wait, Duke's playing. It's not. It doesn't help them long term, but can sweeping, I got to imagine that sweeping Oregon State yeah, is a little bit truer measure. Yeah, that's going to carry a lot of weight. I mean, I think that is big. I mean, the, I'm willing to give a team a pass, especially on opening weekend after they cross the country. Um, right. I wasn't at that series, and I kind of wish I was, because I want to know how Duke beat Cal. I mean, I've seen Duke a few times now. I, I, it's unfathomable. Um, <laughs> but, yeah. you know, the, the, this, to, to get back home this weekend after losing at USC and, and to sweep Oregon State, I mean, that was huge. Um, and, and for Don Jeffries is incredible. Uh, he that's is, answer number one. He's so hard to beat on Friday night, and that's why I still think that they're going to be you know, I, I still have them in, eight, in my aid for Omaha because they're just going to be such a tough out in the postseason with him going. You know, I, if you if you get to Super Regionals and you can throw that guy on your first game of Super Regionals, I mean, I, I know at that point the pitching all around is going to be very good, but, I mean, that that's it's just going to be so hard to knock them out in in the Regionals or in Super Regionals with, with Jeffries going and, um, and and then what they can, can follow him up with. Dalton Jeffries, is he the best Friday starter in the country for you right now, Teddy? I mean, this, man, I know he doesn't have the best numbers. If you had to pick one guy to win that Friday start, would it be him? It might be him. I think it would be him for me right now, guys. I mean, am I, I know Brendan McKay is really good at Louisville. I know there are a lot of other good pitchers out there. Would it be Dalton Jeffries? Uh, I, I can't think of anybody better right he'd, now. He'd be up there. Uh, Gallon, the way he pitched the first five weeks of the season, hit a little bit of a. a I'd definitely a go with Jeffries over that. Yeah, that's the thing. Like I was be, coming into the weekend, Zach Gallon's numbers were exceptional. They're still yeah. pretty good. I was at that he, start on Thursday night. He did not look like a guy I'd want to 
throw out in a must-win over Dalton Jeffries. Yeah, I mean, I'm just thinking right now, to me, Dalton Jeffries is the guy. I'm not saying he's the best pitcher in college baseball. I'm sure the other guys have better numbers than him, but you combine stuff, uh, draft, uh, college production, experience, the whole panoply of what makes you a guy, I'm taking Dalton Jeffries. I think him, Clark Schmidt, and Logan Shore, for me, would be the, the guys I would be picking from. I was going to say Logan Shore, too. Yeah. Logan Shore has that similar combination of command, stuff, experience. You know, he's been in a lot of big games. I think I give Dalton Jeffries a slight edge in terms of stuff. I think he's a little bit, Connor little bit better. Connor Jones is the other guy I was thinking about. Yeah, but he's, yeah, he's been good, too. That, but you can't. I don't know if I'd take any of those guys over Jeffries. I think Connor Jones is a, is a – he might be the better answer in terms of just pure stuff. He probably has the best stuff out of all these guys we're talking about. So I don't know yeah. if his stuff is that much better than Jeffries. He just has a – he looks more like a pro because he is uh, – I mean, he has that body that a little bit better body. I think he has a little bit more velocity when I've seen him at their best. I've never heard Dalton Jeffries throwing 95 to 97 at, no. at his best. His best is like a 94, touch of five. Connor Jones will touch a seven. Every once in a while, Connor Jones will be a guy with three-plus pitches. I don't know. Yeah. To me, Dalton Jeffries is more like pitches with an above-average fastball. But it's not a scintillating, totally swing and miss fastball. But I, I but in terms of but he's got better command than Connor Jones. I think when he needs to make a pitch, I think Dalton Jeffrey, Jeffries can make a pitch. How much do we worry about Oregon State off of this? Just getting swept is kind of surprising. But I still feel like overall top to bottom talent, Oregon State's the most talented team in the Pac-12. Yeah, I think the pitching is a slight concern coming off of this weekend. Rasmussen was dinged up, and he was really good for three innings, and then he ran into trouble, and uh, they pulled him in the fourth. And then, I mean, the next two days, they weren't able to come up with that that stopper that they needed to. Um, but offensively, I, I think they're still really good. I mean, I, they have they have some youth there, but, I mean, Morrison and, and Ice are, are both juniors, and yep. they, they can pick them up. And I, I, I think Oregon State will be fine. Um and frankly, the the schedule is kind to them after this, um, so I, I I think they'll I think they'll bounce back and, and be okay. But I mean, they do have this was their biggest test, and they knew it going in. You know, Pat Casey was not shy about that when I talked to him. This you know going right. into the series, and they did not they did not ace this their their test. Um, so they've they've got some things to to work out, but uh, a little bit like Florida, you know, it's not the worst thing in the world that that you get this. Early in the season, so you, you find out what you what you are. Last thing on the Pac-12, unless you guys wanted to bring something else up, I was going to bring up UCLA. Kind of a drastic measure, obviously, obviously for us to drop them from 14 to all the way out. I don't even think we wanted to drop Clemson uh, as far as we dropped Clemson. Were they 25 or no, they, set, they went from 17 to out. And we didn't want to drop them all the way out either. We just had other teams we really wanted to bring in. But there wasn't really a big discussion about taking UCLA out, guys. I mean, I, I, I know we didn't like... Being that drastic, but twelve and nine is twelve and nine. I mean, how does UCLA? I mean, Jimmer, how are they going to shape up for Shonerdology on Wednesday? I mean, this is not, this is not the way you script it if you're John Savage. Yeah, well, the Pac-12 is going to be uh, quite the Rubik's cube for this week. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, yeah, like how when we were having the meeting last night, I was like, you know, from fourteen to out is pretty harsh for losing two out of three on the road to a good team in Arizona, but. Twelve and nine, you just can't really get past that. Just to look at that and still be a top twenty-five team, I mean, it was just—it was really the only. We like I said, we had teams we wanted to bring in, and they were just kind of the like, well, we can, we can justify taking them out for you know what they are. But I mean, 
Yeah, I mean, the Bruins, I mean, they're still high enough in the RPI. They're 19 on Warren Nolan uh, as we speak right now, and their strength of schedule is really good. Um, but their next few, I mean, if they if they lose this Cal series, see, what would they be? They are four and so they are still probably be 500, say. See, if they lose two out of three, they'd be five and five. And midweeks. And they're midweeks. Yeah, that's what's. That, that's no gimme. They're playing no, Fullerton this week, right? Exactly. And they keep losing midweek games. That's why they're 12 and nine. They haven't. I don't think they've won one yet, have they? No, they have not. They have not won a midweek game yet all year. And this is mm, a nope. team that is, spo- you know, theoretically the is built on pitching depth. And they've given up a ton of runs on all it's, these. Uh, it's Hooper and Hunter Verant, two Ooh. left-handers who are supposed to be, you know, who are very, very well regarded, but just have not, have not been able to do it. Justin Hooper, nine walks in three innings this year, and uh, that is a big reason why he's given up 12 runs in three innings. So uh, Kyle yeah. Molnar has been much better as a freshman, as expected. Three years from now, give me Justin Hooper. But right now, it's not even close. That's why Molnar is the weekend rotation, and and Mr. Hooper is uh, hanging in the midweek starts. Which is the better offense, uh, Mike? I mean, this uh, this is faint praise. Better offense, Oregon, which lost another series this weekend, or UCLA. I mean, UCLA. Can't, what, what would UCLA do without Eric Filia? Yeah, they wouldn't be. They, they wouldn't have scored a run all year. The, it feels like the one. The one thing I'll say is Sean Bouchard is is hitting well yes. for them now, which is much needed for them. And, and Court Peterson is, is is doing better now too. So those three guys are gonna have to lean on those three guys quite a bit in their lineup. You know, I would I would give the edge to UCLA just looking at the the raw numbers. I mean, UCLA has performed more. You know, I thought Oregon would would be better offensively this year with, with what they both. had returned and. With the freshmen that they were bringing in, but I don't think I don't think there's any way you could ever bank on the Oregon offense with what they've done this year. So I would give the edge to UCLA there. Oregon no, and they uh, lost. Yeah. What's that? Oregon hitting two eleven, two hundred eighty seventh in the country. Wolf. And yeah. They are. Uh, they lost a series at UW this weekend. I'll just throw in from NHSI UW fans. Um, there's hope for the future. It's watching Chaminade with their two University of Washington. Uh, Commits Tommy Costello and uh, was it Nick Cayley? Yeah, Nick Kale, I should say. I know his name is pronounced like Kale because I tweeted Kale yet mm-hmm. when he hit a home run. Those guys look legit. If those guys yeah. get to college, especially Kale, who's a offensive-minded catcher. Um, sounds like his body, from a pro standpoint, but not too. The one scout I just talked to just wasn't terribly pleased with his athleticism and where his body's gone, but thinks he'll be a really good college player. You didn't That's, even see the best of Washington's recruits for next year. They were uh, they're in our rec- top twenty five recruiting uh, rankings this fall for the first time in school history. And uh, Joe Demers, this uh, yeah Joe Demers and AJ Graffinino, a big part of that. And this year's class uh, shaping up to be at least as good if they can hang on to guys like Ben Baird and, and those guys you were you were talking about at NHSI. So in other words, uh, you better get Washington now because I think they're going to get better. And they've been good so far this year. I mean they're they're twelve and seven and. Uh, I mean, that's better than UCLA has, has been. So, And, you know, they've taken back-to-back series against Arizona and Oregon. Obviously, they'll have a big test this weekend at Oregon State. But, you know, we had them as a, a regional team in the in the preseason, and they do have some talent on that team. So, you know, with other Pac-12 teams struggling, maybe this is there's a window for them to, to right. possibly do something this year. This is not exactly a surprise, but Lindsey Meggs, very good at his job. Right. No, it's not, it's not a surprise. That's... It's not a surprise that Washington's on the climb, and finally, in the last couple of, was it two years ago, 
got their ballpark situation. Yeah, got to a regional that year too. And that's yeah. it. So they've you know it, it was a long slog for a program that you know, don't forget didn't go to regionals when they had uh, Tim Lincecum as a junior when he had like one of these all time years. So it's basically the only reason that Tim Lincecum wasn't our college player of the year. It was Andrew Miller that did year. Go, did they go once with Lincecum or once? Yeah. I believe it was his sophomore season yeah. um, when he was eligible that year. That's one of those. That's one of those sliding doors. That's, that's a universe somewhere. One of these multiverses where the Cleveland Indians are in the end of their dynasty, where Cliff Lee, Cece Sabathia, and Tim Lincecum were all Indians at the same time, and they won multiple World Series. <laughs> I know I'm killing you here, Teddy. Turn of the knife. Sorry, but uh, and Tyler Naquin's in their big league roster. Oh, that's this universe. So that's a whole other. That's a whole other discussion. Um, this is Baseball America College Podcast. Guys, let's, let's wrap up a little bit with some ACC talk. We mentioned it earlier with Zach Gallen. And North Carolina taking a loss and North Carolina losing that series at home to Georgia Tech. The rambling wreck jumps back into our rankings this week. Um, I'm stupid and don't have it right in front of me. They are 23 in our rankings. But it was a pretty tumultuous weekend in the ACC. You had uh, Miami sweeping Clemson. As we mentioned earlier, we didn't really want to drop Clemson all the way out, but they did get swept. Uh, we had to make room. Um, this, is, uh, this is what happens there. Uh, Louisville with a huge series win against Virginia. Um, what was the, your biggest storyline from the ACC? Jim, I'll ask you first. Uh, what was your biggest storyline from the ACC this week? Because there are multiple. Yeah, I would say I'll say Louisville winning was a big one for me. And the other thing that jumped out for me that uh, from that series that when I was looking this up for top 25 trackers, Virginia is now 1-5 in five in Sunday games. Huh. Or third games of series. In uh, one case, really. It's a Saturday game. But, um, yeah, so that's kind of I – mean, we talked about – um, with um, who was it that keeps struggling on Fridays? But, oh, Kentucky, uh, Kentucky. So Virginia is. I mean, they're one. In, they said they're one in five in these third games. The only one they won was actually the uh, East Carolina series, where they had already lost the series. So they're basically in rubber games. They haven't. Or well, this was. I think this was actually their first rubber game. But anyway, but they're, they're one in, on They have not game. won. They've not been good in third games. That's kind of a little bit of a concern. Um, obviously, we talked about Connor Jones. You know how good he is, but. You know, their bullpen's been a little iffy at times. It's kind of cost them some games. And, I mean, they still like their talent. Obviously, we know how good Matt Theis has been. We've read, you know, Mike wrote about thing about him. But, uh, so that's a little thing to keep an eye on. Um, you know, we talked about Louisville, how they'd lost these two series, both on the road. Now they get, finally get somebody at home. So that's kind of, I think they kind of needed that one. Uh, so that's, I think that's kind of the, Obviously, Louisville's back up to four in our uh, rankings this week, so I think that's kind of a big thing. And Louisville's second in the league in ERA. Uh, Mike, Teddy, you know, they lose another. Like, they didn't lose another Funkhauser start, though. They did, and uh, <laughs> there is that Friday elephant. struggling. There's that. There's that elephant. Uh, that elephant in the room uh, for me. But uh, was there another? Was there an ACC storyline that stood out to you? I mean, I'm kind of stunned that uh, we have North Carolina at Miami this weekend. Yeah, that's for basically first place in the coastal. I mean, Miami's been pretty tough at home. They're only they had a series loss at home against uh, Florida, but uh, sweeping Clemson this weekend that feels like uh, not the recipe for North Carolina coming off a series home loss to have to go to Coral Gables the next weekend. Yeah, you know, I, I know basically the the entire Funky Fresh crew uh, except for <laughs> me was was at Carolina this weekend. You know, it, it was it, it was impressive on one hand to see Georgia Tech pitch that well against Carolina. Right. And it's also, for me, I'm curious to see how that offense bounces back 
at Miami because that's where we had a lot of our questions in the preseason was with that lineup and right. whether they're going to be able to hit enough. So I'm curious to see, you know, after they struggle offensively, if they're able to rebound from that or if those struggles continue. They're schizophrenic to me. Yeah. I mean, to have been shut out twice in SC, an ACC play already by Pittsburgh and Georgia Tech. I mean, Zach Ryan was Georgia Tech's kind of moment of truth reliever last year. He had seven saves. He had nine wins. He'd thrown six and a third innings all year, Teddy, and he was brilliant Saturday. I mean, he, he plowed through Carolina's lineup. He, Miami's a little uh, schizophrenic offensively for me this year. I mean, you know, last year, was it Iskandarian? Was the, mm-hmm. Led the ACC in hits? Mm-hmm. Was there a three-holder? We're just so steady, and they, obviously a big loss. It seems like they're a little bit more streaky offensively this year, but uh, certainly potent when they need to be. Yeah, I think uh, Miami's streakiness this year is attributable to the swing and miss in their best hitters' bats. Zach right. Collins, Jacob Hayward, and Willie Abreu all are going to strike out. That's that's a thing that's going to happen. And it feels like teams just are not going to let Zach Collins beat them. 25 walks already yeah. this year for Zach Collins. I mean, he's he he very disciplined, right? right. When, like, he, he will swing and miss because he has a big swing and he hits home runs, and that's what power hitters do, but right. he is disciplined. Uh, whereas Willie Abreu is not, not afraid to expand his strike zone. <laughs> this is correct. Um, but Michelangeli um, came up with the big hit on, on Saturday night. And, I mean, he if he's going to get going, that's big for them. And, and Chris Barr has been a, a steady yep. steady guy in the past. But neither one of those guys is as Kandarian. This is, and, and they are kind of missing that, it feels like. It just feels like they're just less steady. Just like the, with this Kandarian last year, they could manufacture a run at any point. He was a great singles hitter. He stole bases efficiently. Um, I guess the other part about Miami is that you know, Woodry hasn't pitched great this year, and it just seems like it hasn't mattered. You know, they, things aren't going according to plan for the U, and yet they're still looking like the ACC. Right now, I think they're the ACC favorite because they've beaten, if, especially if they beat Carolina, yeah. they'll have beaten Louisville, and they will have beaten North Carolina. The only team left out there that you know, there's Virginia and there's Florida State. Those are the other two big challengers, but. Miami would be sitting quite pretty if they if they win this series this weekend. Yeah, and if you can get Woodry going, and I mean, I think there has to be faith that that he will yeah. get going at some point. That um, you know they they are quite quite tough, but I mean the pitching is a slight concern, I guess, at this point with with Woodry going through a little bit of scuffles and uh, yeah, they're working some various things out there. But I I think that's a I mean they're third in the country for a reason. I mean, right, that's a that's a really talented team and. Um, you know they're they're going to be a force to be reckoned with uh, offensively, and if they if they can get the pitching going, uh, you know that's a that's a really complete team there. Yeah, I mean I don't I don't like their pitching as much as I like North Carolina's or, or Louisville when everyone's going right on, on that team. But yeah, I mean obviously there's something to be said for them pushing the right buttons and getting the right guys out there, and you know they do an excellent job managing that bullpen is one thing Miami does very well. And I, I think talking about, you know, an Iskandarian type, I think Carl Chester has kind of been that for them in some ways. Um, had a nice weekend this weekend. He's been their leadoff hitter, batting 371 this year, 473 on base, not striking out a lot. So right. he's, he's been a, a quality guy for them in the leadoff spot. But, yeah, the, you know, you do need more consistency. Um, yeah, Bray, Abreu and, and Hayward, like you said, they just haven't been consistently there uh, in Miami's lineup. North Carolina's kind of similar, really, as far right. as the lineup goes. It's Miller, Pate, Ramirez. After that, there hasn't been a consistent guy in that lineup. The other unbelievable thing about Miami is just how friendly the schedule is. Yes, they play all these good teams, but they all come to Miami. Florida Florida went to Miami, and yes, Miami did lose that series. But Florida went to Miami. Louisville went to Miami. North Carolina is going to Miami. 
Clemson went to Miami. Virginia's going to Miami. They All Miami has to do <laughs> is go to Georgia Tech and Florida State. Like this is that is that is as manageable as it gets in the ACC for these for the top contenders. Yeah, because their other road series are Notre Dame, Duke, uh, like you said, and Georgia Tech. And they, and they went to Virginia Tech, right. and, and not to belittle those teams there, but I mean, you would much rather go there than having to go to Chapel Hill or to Clemson, or you know. Right. Absolutely. I mean, you, NC State's kind of the flip of that, right, Jim? I mean, they have to go to most of those teams and. I don't know, yeah, I, I think do, they kind of uh, got off the hook a little bit this weekend. They yeah, got two games bit. rained out of Florida State. Yeah, I mean, Florida State just owns the Wolfpack. There's really, no <laughs> really no way around he that. He said so. ruefully. <laughs> yeah, there's really no way around other uh, other way to put that. So, that, I mean, you never know, but it might have been a good thing for them. They didn't have to play those two games. Well, it doesn't get any um, easier for them, though, because they're yeah, going they have to, go to They have to go to Virginia now, um, and they do. I'm trying to see if I can pull up the rest of their schedule, but I know – I know Carolina, North Carolina does come to Raleigh, but I think that they have to go to. I think they have to go to Clemson. They have one more right. tough road series on, uh, for NC State. Yeah. I know that they were not happy. Just the contrast that you made, they made to me, their coaching staff made to me earlier this year, where it's like, you know, it's just kind of how things worked out. But Miami gets all the tougher teams at home, and NC State gets most of those tougher teams on the road. Florida State being their toughest road series. And yeah. that's the other untold part of this, guys, is Florida State, once again, leading the ACC and runs scored, even though they had two games washed out this weekend. It's every year. It's just so metronomic. They walk a lot. They always have a good approach. Some veteran guy comes out of not nowhere, but you know, John Sansone's having this kind of Sugar Shane Robinson-type season or uh, fill in your, your veteran Florida State <laughs> Blow up year here. Um, I'm old, so I go back to like John Ford Griffin blowing up or mm. or those kind of guys. Um, my money would have been on Quincy Knightley oh, to be that guy that to, to break out. That's yeah. like yeah. one of my favorite names. But uh, Florida State guys, I mean, it just feels like that team's going to be there at the end too. Um, they have to go to Clemson, but their other ACC road series are at BC, at Wake Forest, at Duke. All things being equal, most yeah. ACC teams would take those as their road series. So. Feels like Miami and Florida State. Um, it's like this is what the ACC wanted for football, <laughs> you know, to have those two teams win those divisions and play every never year. Never happened. If that, which has never, never happened. Seen, never seen, uh, it has never happened. Tournament. It might happen in baseball this year. Um, I would love it if the ACC tournament just did. Here's a best of five series between the two divisions. That would be awesome. <laughs> that would be very unique and would never happen, but it'd be awesome. Um, what what else uh, from around the country, guys? Uh, jumped out to you guys. Um, we did have a little shakeup in the Big 12. We had TCU lose a series um, against Texas this year, this weekend. That dropped them. Oklahoma State's kind of creeping back up uh, in our rankings. But it doesn't feel like otherwise there was a loud statement series. I guess the other one we talked about a little bit last week, Long Beach State keeps on yeah, keeping on. They look a, a little bit more for real. They beat uh, Florida. I'm kind of looking forward to that little series with UCSB and, and uh, the Dirtbags this weekend. 17 and 18. So this weekend's schedule basically is bounce, That's right? It's fantastic. Yeah. Um, also from the from this last weekend, uh, Ryan Hinkst, Arizona State, threw a no-hitter. Um, that was the 10th in Arizona State program history, so that was obviously a great accomplishment for him, and, and uh, that's the Sun Devils' only Pac-12 win to this point. So uh, he's, been, he's been fantastic. They've, the Sun Devils have some things to figure out, um, like we mentioned, but uh, Hinkst was, uh, was very good on, against Utah in, in his start. You know, for me, you mentioned Oklahoma State. They, they didn't have 
necessarily a loud weekend, but I think you look at their last few weeks and coming back from a two and five start, they're now they just keep on keeping on. Yeah, they're now seventeen and seven, and you know you could tell you know seeing them early in the year against UNC, they got swept, but there are a lot of things to like about that team. And they were in every game. You know, they lost three walk-offs. And you see this weekend, the final game went 10 innings, and they won that. You know, they're starting to get that situational hitting. They're they're closing out games. And, you know, they're, they're a dangerous club. They're a team that was in our preseason top 10. Right. And, you know, not necessarily, you know, as prospect-heavy as some of the other top teams in the country, but they're a gritty veteran club. And I, I think they're a team to look out for and a team that could keep rising. Another thing I meant to ask you guys about. So the surprise to me, I guess it shouldn't be a huge surprise, but weren't you guys stunned that Missouri State lost the home series to Minnesota? I mean, they were, what, like 18-2 and two before? Um, we discussed ranking them. We held off because they had not played anybody. But in their kind of Big Ten invitational the last couple of weeks, Iowa and Minnesota at home, um, they, got, they, they were unable to be the offensive juggernaut they had been before. Like, is Minnesota, I mean, is Minnesota that good on the mound, or is that just more a case of Missouri State not being able to live up to the, as the competition level uh, rose a bit? Uh, Frankly, I was not surprised. Um, Missouri State, as I've said many times to Missouri State fans in the last (laughs) two weeks, had played a very soft schedule and had lost to the good teams that they played on it. They got beat by Anthony Kay, and they lost to Oklahoma State. And sweeping Iowa now looks better because Iowa beat Maryland in a series, which I was very surprised by. Uh, but Minnesota is off to a surprisingly good start. I mean, the, the Golden Gophers were not a team that I was expecting to be one of the better teams uh, in the Big Ten. But they're, right. they're now 12-9, and nine, and that's almost all away from home. They played one home game. There was a midweek this, this week. Um, and... You know, they're uh, they're doing they're doing a good job at the plate. They're hitting 331 as a team. They're pitching. Uh, you know, John Anderson might have might have a nice little team there. I mean, we'll see uh, as they get into Big Ten play exactly what they are. Uh, but Missouri State, I mean, they will bounce back from that. Uh, but they were going to lose the series eventually, and that Minnesota was the one to do it. Um, with the way the Golden Gophers have been playing, I was I was not particularly surprised. Certainly by it. good for the Big Ten. I watched a little Big Ten baseball on the Big Ten Network this weekend. I saw some uh, Northwestern Ohio State yesterday on Sunday. Um, I was very impressed by Northwestern's uniforms. Uh, I also watched a little bit of the end of uh, Illinois' game, I believe, when they lost to Penn State on Saturday. Um, I guess the big story at the top of this league right now is Michigan State. We ranked them two weeks ago. They swept Rutgers this weekend. They're 18-3, and three and... Kind of a, I, I guess the problem for Michigan State is this is supposed to be like a big showout series this weekend with Oregon coming to play them and Oregon struggling so much. So you know, if you lose that series, they'll definitely will be mocked for losing to Oregon. And if they win this series, like ah, Oregon's down this year. You kind of can't win for winning this weekend, right? Yeah, that is a little unfortunate for them. Um, but you know, I, I think uh, they're just going to keep approaching it the same way they always approach you know, that that's a that's a team that's not going to get too high it's not going to get too low Jake Boss uh you know that yeah, that's just the way he yeah. is and and his teams seem to really um you know take that on so i i think that it would have been very exciting for them to to bring Oregon in if Oregon had been you know was playing as well as they could be but you know we'll see what they got this weekend and, and then they'll get back into Big 10 play and uh i mean it's exciting for the Big 10 that the, the Michigan State is is taking a step forward. That's a team that's kind of been on the cusp right. the last few years, and so if they uh, if they can take a step forward and, and challenge some of the top teams in the conference, 
uh, you know, for the the regular season title. I mean, I, I think that only makes the the Big Ten stronger long term. Jim, I'm telling you, for show nerdology, the Big Ten is going to be dicey this week because you have what five teams in the top fifty mm-hmm. with Michigan State, Nebraska, Michigan, which is ranked. Minnesota now really jumps up uh, the rankings. So I guess it's four top fifty teams. Could that be a four bid league? Big Ten. I mean, in the preseason, I think we had them for the three bid league, right? Yeah, it was three. three it was yeah. IU, uh, Michigan, Mar- and, and Maryland. Maryland yeah. yeah, Maryland's the team kind of in the danger zone right now. Yeah, they're. I was losing to. That was. I did not see that one coming. Losing to <laughs> Iowa. Um, so that's. That. I would imagine you didn't. Because <laughs> they, they got so the loss of Schwarin on the mound on Friday. Yeah, got the loss there too. And no. Schwarin has not five been. He's, he's not been struggling this year. No, he is not. Um, the other thing I was just when we were talking about Missouri State, just looking at the uh, the val the valley is not uh, looking too hot right now. That's looking it's like a one bid league. That is looking like a they had their banner. They had a three three bid league last year, kind of a banner year. But uh, yeah, DBU had a, not, a uh, tough weekend against. They lost Baylor, to Baylor, yeah. which not that's not that's it's not, not not good for anybody in the valley. It's so. good for Steve Rodriguez, but not yeah. good for anybody in the valley for so, sure. That's that's looking more like a one bid league this year. Uh, the Big Ten though, yeah, I mean that could be. Yeah, I mean that could definitely be three or four. Um, it probably won't be the uh, teams we thought it would be, as we're because IU's been struggling and the Terps have been a bit of a bit of a mystery this spring. But um, yeah, I mean, yeah, kind of Nebraska being strong has kind of snuck up on me. But they're, I mean, they're top fifty in the RPI. We know the Spartans are good. Michigan, I mean, one of these other teams can kind of. You know, hang hang in there in one of the you know the top half of the league, then that could definitely be up there. Uh, you know, a four four bid type year. Yeah, Nebraska a little bit quietly uh, has really gone on a nice roll here, and because they what well, they lost their first two weekends to Charleston and Long Beach, or two yeah, of their first three. Yeah, those are you know good quality series, but you'd like to at least have won one of those. Yeah, and um, but now they're I mean they play a tough schedule, and they're uh, you know Darren Erstad is not afraid to play anyone anyway. Right. And you know they're they're winning some games and it's showing an RPI yeah, and it's out there forty seven right now. Yeah, nice. I mean, and they're they're where they need to be as as conference play is starting. And um, you know, Creighton. Speaking of Nebraska, Creighton's right. off to a, a nice start too. And they play Tuesday. They play Tuesday. And uh, Creighton since lo- since getting swept at Fresno State on opening weekend, uh, I believe has only lost one game. I think they're sixteen and one since opening weekend. Last thing, and I'll let you guys go. We ranked the Conference USA team this weekend. It's uh, Florida Atlantic. And I think mostly it's because Florida Atlantic has played, a, you know, they haven't played a lot of great teams, but they did open the year with those two wins at Mississippi State. We almost ranked them that weekend, wound up not. They've kept on winning enough since then, um, 18-4 and four now, 5-1 and one in Conference USA. But, you know, there's a couple other teams. Conference USA, actually, from an RPI standpoint, mm-hmm. looks really strong. And Rice and Southern Miss are off to great starts and. You know, Rice, especially bouncing Rice is, back. They're figuring it out, figuring things out. They're off to a great start in, in conference play. I mean, like, how for real do we think Rice is? I mean, uh, it's it's UT, San Antonio, and Old Dominion, but they only gave up five runs to Old ODU this weekend. Old Dominion that had been really good. Right. Yeah. That's, but that's loud to me that they swept that series and, that, and how well they pitched. Um, that starts to feel like an old-school Rice team. Yeah, I when uh, when I saw Rice in Houston, they were playing what I assume is going to be the worst baseball they play all year. <laughs> Let's um, hope so for their sake. But I mean, the pieces are there. You have Duplantier on Friday nights. I mean, you have a good pitching staff as Rice tends to do, and um, you know Ford Proctor at, at shortstop is 
is, uh, you know, a nice freshman. And, I mean, they have other offensive pieces. And so, yeah, I mean, it, it's Rice. That, that I mean, that's who you always think is going to win that league, basically. And, right. Um, you know, they've earned that. And they started slowly. They lost to a series to Arizona on opening weekend. And then they uh, lost three games in the, the Houston College Classic. But they've... I mean, you always knew they had the talent to figure it out, and now they are, and they're. I, I think they are again going to to be challengers in, in that conference. Mike, what was uh, what put what put FAU over the top for you in, the, in terms of us ranking uh, the Owls? Um, I, I guess we would. Uh, I would make some kind of reference to Dumb and Dumber, but I, <laughs> I can't do it. Uh, <laughs> all I remember is he said, "Nice Hooters, the Owls, they're beautiful." <laughs> I think it's just that they continue to take care of business. You know, I mean, that there's someone I think every week that we've we've talked about possibly putting in the top 25. I think for three or maybe four weeks now, right. and you know, the, the the fact that I mean they're 18 and four. You know that that's loud, and you know had a nice you know clean sweep of UAB this weekend, and you know pitched well and and scored enough, and you know it, it seems like a team that has a lot of balance on both sides of the ball, and you know an, an excellent coaching staff there, and. You know, a team that made some noise last year, too. So, you know, there's a lot to like with that group. And, you know, I, I think it was just kind of a, a long time coming for them. It feels like there's not a star on that team necessarily, but there's the lineup top to bottom. They're hitting 300 as a team. Um, I was texting with a coach who's played them this year about – no, he couldn't. He, he didn't think it would single anybody out, but he thought their starting pitching was solid. Their bullpen is outstanding, deep. Um, you know, there, there's not a – one necessarily there's not like an Austin Gomber on this team like a big prospect that they've had in some past years, um, but this is a this is a dangerous team. I don't know if it's as good as their 2013 team. That team was explosive offensively. This team seems like it's a good team, not necessarily an explosive team. But uh, once again, FAU is going to be good. Rice, uh, I don't. I, I think you've talked to Coach Barry at Southern Miss. How for real is Southern Miss, Teddy? Uh, well, Southern Miss had uh, a tough weekend. Um, I think it was two weeks ago. They, um, oh yeah, that was two weeks ago now. Um, no, Southern Miss is, is doing fine. Um, <laughs> Southern Miss, they are really high in RPI. They have played a, a, a pretty solid schedule. They swept uh, San Antonio this weekend. They won a series at Marshall. Uh, they won a series at Samford. That's non-conference, but they won a series at Samford. Sounds like you were talking to go see maybe go see them even this weekend at Charlotte. In yeah, I mean that is that is a possibility. Um, they, uh, I mean that, that's a that's a good looking team there. That's another tough team in this conference, and uh, you know I, the, the the whole thing stacks up pretty well. I mean, uh, you know FAU, Rice, uh, Southern Miss, uh, Western Kentucky got off to a pretty decent start, as did Old Dominion. I mean it, it's a it's a good collection, and um, you know. It, a lot of the good baseball schools in that conference had, had been taken by the Big right. East, now American. Right. But there's still good baseball schools in this conference. And just RPI-wise, the RPI likes Conference USA. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm not quite sure why, but it clearly likes that. You said Old Dominion had been off to a great start. Um, Western Kentucky has a robust RPI. And I know one of the reasons that, it, that that's not going to go anywhere for Southern Miss, you have all these midweek games coming up with, Mississippi State, Ole Miss. So Southern Miss is going to, especially if they can win some of those midweek games against those SEC teams, that's only going to help. This feels like this is a, could be a big year for Conference USA in terms of at-large bids, Jim. It feels like it could sure. be a deeper season. But like you said, Teddy, for me, uh, you pick Rice until they don't win it. Um, 
They've won a conference regular season or tournament. It's every year since 1996. That's still yeah, intact. 20 years. Yeah, it's 20, I think exactly 20 years now. The best college baseball poster of all time, and it will never be topped, was the one with Wayne Graham with his scraggly old late 70s fingers. Now I think he's 80 years old. Yes. That poster from a couple of years ago where he had all the rings on it. and Those, those, those hands have thrown a ton of batting practice pitches. <laughs> but that's what the guy used to do with the Astros back in the day was throw BP. And uh, he's thrown a lot of BP at San Jack. He threw it for the Astros. He's thrown it at Rice. I don't think he throws BP anymore. I don't think he's thrown BP for a while. I could be wrong. I would, I would imagine not. But they didn't take BP on the field in Houston, so I, I, don't, I didn't see it there. I'd love to see Wayne throw BP right now. <laughs> <laughs> um, maybe he still does. Forgive my ignorance on Wayne Grant's batting practice throwing uh, prowess, but that was his shtick. So when he had those scraggly old hands with like 25 rings stuck on them from conf- regular season uh, conference tournaments, regionals, national championship in 2003. I'm sure he had some from his Sanjak days. That's a great poster. And that's uh, kind of the image I think is in everyone's heads in Conference USA every year because uh, Rice remains the team to beat. So good stuff, everybody. Uh, nice podcast. We should probably wrap this up since we're close to an hour. We want to thank everybody for listening. Thank you for your uh, Geek download. Remember that BA20 promo code. So for Mike, Jim, and Teddy, I'm John. We'll see you next week on the Baseball America College Podcast. This concludes our program. Visit BaseballAmerica.com for more podcasts. Today's Baseball America Podcast was sponsored by SeatGeek. Baseball America Podcast listeners get a $20 rebate off their first SeatGeek purchase. Download the free SeatGeek app and enter promo code BA20. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medella, the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medella is your reward. Medella, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.